Hey, thanks for downloading and listening to the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. We'd love to stay connected on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or TikTok at NLC Downtown. We have devotionals, audio from our weekend messages, conversations about big topics and culture today, and lots of options for you to become a disciple of Jesus. We aren't just a Sunday church. We want to be here for you Monday through Saturday too. Looking forward to getting to know you better. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Do y'all love Jesus? Put your hands together for him. I've learned this already. Downtown Little Rock, this campus has the best coffee of any campus, and it's not close. Give your coffee a hand, but it is. It's pretty good. We need to get that somewhere else, so it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, if you got a Bible with you, go to Proverbs 5. I'm just going to, we're going to have a Bible study today. I'm going to read a few other scriptures around that. Uh, But we're going to be talking about the problem with sex, the problem with sexuality, and I do not know why I am uh, the one called on to teach this, Uh, but this started about four or five years ago. I preached a message on sex, and then pastors started calling me to come preach on this topic in their churches. So we would travel and go different places, and every time they would go, hey, could you come to our church and preach about the subject of sex? And then after a couple of years of this, Brooke pulled me to the side, this is my wife right here, and she goes... Why are they asking you to, to speak on this topic? And while she was asking me, a pastor called, just like Jesus would have it, and he asked me to come and preach on sex. She, and she's just like, I can't believe this. Why? Like, you of all people, you know? And so I said, it's just people look at me, and they're like, he knows. And uh, <laughs> she said, have him call me. I'll set the record straight. And so <laughs> we always get, get to laugh about that. But uh, this is one thing I know. So I'm going to talk about this subject and the pain that, uh, that is uh, with the problem of sex hits a lot of people. And uh, I forgot that until I was just teaching it uh, before, is that I will talk about different aspects and people have uh, different stories, different uh, sin that has hit them. And uh, I want you to know that God is never about uh, dredging up your past. He is all about your future. We're going to teach the word. We're going to be very clear about it. Um, but God is about releasing potential in your life, healing some things in your life, and he is all about the rest of your life. If you love that about God, say amen. And so we're going to teach, uh, and this is what I want you to do. So if, you, if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write a lot of notes today. But I want you to figure out where your blue dot is on this subject. Your blue, like if you take your phone out, and you're asking directions for something. And so this morning, I was just having fun. I was coming here, and I said, hey, Siri, uh, give me directions to God. And uh, I was just right across the street, and it sent me to another church. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, I got to talk to Bronson uh, this week at some point. And, uh, but if you ask for directions, what's going to happen is you're going to see that landmark of where you want to go. And then it's going to show you exactly where you're at, Right? And on this subject, I want you to be aware of your blue dot with this subject and be honest with God. Because sometimes I think we train people to pretend where they're really at. And I've done this as a pastor when I just say, hey, why don't you come in and just uh, put your problems behind you and, and, uh, and all your cares of your wor- uh, world that's on your shoulders, put them behind you so you can enter the presence of God. 
That's not how that is. God reaches you exactly where you are. And so when you can locate, God, this is right where I'm at, because this is what we do. We pretend we're somewhere we're not. Okay? So when we talk about things, we land on things like we'll talk about homosexuality and, and we'll talk about sex outside of marriage. We'll, t- we'll, we'll touch on pornography, all of these types of things, sex before marriage, all of these things. There's tension in the room because there's so many problems associated to every one of these things. And when you talk about a subject like adultery or you talk about a subject like uh, homosexuality or same-sex attraction, the reason there's tension there is because that's not a subject. Everybody knows there's a person behind that subject, right? And, and when God thinks about the purpose of the person behind that subject, he is a lot more compassionate and loving than when we just talk about it as an issue. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And so, and I understand all of that. I understand where we're at as a culture. I understand where, uh, what culture has accepted, celebrated, you know, what it's gotten behind. I understand all that. I understand the tension of saying, I'm going to follow the word, but I have people in my family that I love. And I mean, I've had some bad conversations with family members, just, just being as sweet as I can be about some of these subjects. Because we have families dealing with this, friends, and this is what I don't want you to do is to try to alter and tailor God's word to fit the problems that people are having. But you have to believe that the gospel is gracious enough and powerful enough to change every one of us in our own current brokenness. So this is what you do, is when you get to something, you could say, you know what, I'm in step with this. That's your blue dot. But if you get to something and you go, I'm having a hard time believing that, then let that be your blue dot and be honest. Just say, I got issues with this. If you feel like, I wish God would have said it different, then let that be your blue dot. If you just go, you know what, I don't care what God says. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, at least you can be honest and go, that's my blue dot. That's called rebellion. Like, it doesn't matter what God says, right? But at least, but at least if you're honest, that's what the Holy Spirit will work through and work in you it is at that point of honesty. Do you all agree? Are you with me? Okay, so th- this is Colossians chapter 2. Paul knew this. This was happening in the culture of the day. And he says this, Colossians chapter 2, he says, Christ, everybody say Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Because this is what Paul knew about the culture of the day. That people would know how to have an opposing argument against the gospel. And it would sound more loving than the gospel. They would have an opposing view, and it would sound more attractive than the gospel. It would sound more attractive. They're like, man, God can be harsh at times, you know. And then you hear an argument, and he said, no, no, no. I want you to stand on the truth so you don't get deceived. What does that mean? I'm sucked into something that's a lie. And there's a lot of things that sound loving, sound compassionate, and listen, it will lead you to destruction, okay? So when, when we get to Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon is talking about sex. And he's having a sex talk to his son. I'm going to key in on adultery because that's what he's really talking about. He's talking about premarital sex and he's talking about adultery. But you can take all sexual sin and there's principles under all of this. Matter of fact, let me just tell you, there's going to be a day where you need to have a sex talk with somebody in your family. Maybe it's your kids or grandkids. Maybe it's just somebody that you love and nobody has ever talked to them about, had a sex talk with them and you're like, they're going down the wrong road. You're like, where do I start? You know what my parents did? 
They, they, they put an a, a orange little book from Ann Landers, okay? And they shoved it under my door and said, read it. And then tell me if you have any questions in the morning. And so I read it and I was like, oh dear God, I wish I'd have known this five years ago. And it was just like, things make sense. Then I was just so embarrassed. So then my mom made my dad have the sex talk with me. And so we're riding in a truck after church. And so she must have just said, don't go home until you have the talk. Who in here had a sex talk with people in your family? Raise your hand if you did. Who did not have a sex talk? I wish I were you. And uh, it, like, because I was in the vehicle and my dad was like, oh, son, don't look at me right now. Uh, <laughs> and he started having a talk. It's the only time in my life that I was just asking God that we were in a car accident. You know, it's just like, it would be better just to hit somebody head on. It was just like painful. So Solomon is having this and he writes it out. And, and I'll read a few verses and, and then I'm just going to jump right into the principles, okay? And we'll just dive into everything he says. Now, let me tell you this. This isn't everything to know about sex. And this isn't everything that God had, about, uh, had to say about sex. But listen to me. This is a great way to start a conversation. And I don't think that you just need to have a sex talk. I, need, I think you need to have open dialogue because the world is saying what it believes about sex over and over, and it's explicit, and, and it's going to be uh, pounded in your ears 200,000 times b- before you go see Jesus, right? And so what do we need to do is be clear, be graceful, but just say, this is what God says, and this is what we're aiming at. Amen? Amen. He says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear from my words of, turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. He's like, listen, boy, turn off your phone, shut the laptop. We're going to have a one-on-one conversation because I'm going to talk to you about something that's life and death. This is no game. Solomon is writing this. He is the product of an affair. He understands the grace around it and the pain around it. And he's like, I'm about to get explicit with you. And this is the first principle he teaches him. Write this down. Sexual sin is a process. Nobody just wakes up and says, I don't know what happened. I just I had an affair today. I didn't mean to. And just kind of just popped up. I didn't, no way to schedule it. Uh, just uh, just sort of. You know, it's like people are just like, I don't know what happened. I fell into sin. You didn't fall into sin. You walked right into it, right? You might have been an idiot, but you, there were some things that you just walked and did, all right? He says sexual sin is a process, and it starts with words. Everybody say words. Now, he's going to make the woman look bad, okay? Because he's talking to his boy. But when I talk to my girls about this, I always make the boy look bad. So I'm just like, hey, there's going to be an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> and he's going to send you a text. It's going to be after 10 p.m. And every text after 10 p.m. is from the devil, the pit of hell. You know? And uh, he's not going to be near as smart as me. And if he texts you three times, you'll never see him again because he'll go missing in Jesus' name. Praise God, right? So he goes, for the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey. Everybody say drip honey. That means her words sound so good. Oh, nobody's ever talked to me about this. You know what honey does? When it, when it hits your mouth, you're, you have a rush, a sensation. It's like sugar. All of a sudden, adulterous woman, her words are like, oh, God, whew, my blood pressure just went up. 
He says, you got to pay attention to words first because all sin starts with words. you got to understand that. It was a sin started with words in the Garden of Eden. Satan comes up, slithering around. He goes, hath God not said? He starts, it all starts with a conversation, right? Jesus is in the wilderness. Satan is trying to trip him up. What does he do? <clears throat> Can I quote Psalm 92 with you? He starts speaking. And this is what he's going to do. If he's going to get you, he's going to start with words. For the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. She can just put a bunch of words together really good. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Can we all say that together? One, two, three. Her feet go down to death. Now, what did Paul just, we read this Colossians chapter 2. He said there's some fine-sounding arguments, right? See, everything starts with words, but where does it end up? He says her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. This is what he is saying. Sexual sin, when it begins, you're thinking about the moment. You're not thinking about the future. And he's like, they're not thinking about the way of life. They're not thinking about that, that life is, this is what life is. Choices, decisions, and consequences. And when you're under temptation, you're, listen, everybody has a free will, you got a choice. Then you make a decision, and the second you make a decision, there's consequences coming. And he's like, this is what happens is you're not thinking about the consequences down the road. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths just wander aimlessly. It's like when you look at people and you're just like, they have no direction in their life. They're listening to the wrong things. There's aimlessly. She's wandering aimlessly, but she doesn't know it. Here's the first thing. Put this by this note. I got to be careful about conversations I'm having with people. I got to be careful. There is a line that if I'm going to stay pure, if my life is going to be honorable before God, there are, there are lines that I cannot cross and will not cross. For me, if I want to honor Brooke, that I will never counsel a, a, a person of the opposite sex. They're having trouble with their marriage, and they come up, and they're like, Mark, can you, my husband, he's just so terrible, you know. He's nothing like you. I'm like, praise God. I said, we're not going to talk about this. I'm not going to do it. I'll tell you why. Because you can get into a conversation like this at work, you can, get, you can get in a conversation like this around the copier. You can get in a conversation. This could be in your neighborhood while you're walking. And this is what happens when people of the opposite sex cross line. Maybe they're texting. Maybe they send an email. Maybe it's a Facebook messenger, messenger post. Whatever it is, you cross that line. And if I'm helping solve a problem, guess, guess what I begin to be? I want you to write this down. If you're a man, you begin to be the healer and the hero. That's what God always created you to be as a man. And the woman feels valued and noticed. And immediately there's an emotional bond that begins to happen that doesn't need to happen. So when he's talking to his boy, he's just saying, you've got to be careful when it comes to words. You've got to be careful because words will eventually lead to physical touch. Verse 7. Y'all, Are y'all with me? You in chapter 5 still? If you are, say Amen. Here we go. Verse 7, he says, Now then, my son, listen to me. Do not, <laughs> do not turn aside from what I'm about to say. It's like his boy has ADD. He's like, I got, I got six sentences in. Look at me, boy. 
And he goes, what I'm about to tell you, you can never forget what I'm about to say. Look in my eyes. I picture him just having him by his collar. He's about to snatch his boys over. He's like, you got to get this. And this is what he says. Do not turn aside from what I'm saying. Keep to a path far from her. It can't go from words to physical touch. You got to create some distance. Do not go near the door of her house. He was like, there are some people that, uh, that uh, when you get around them, temptation happens. He's like, You're, you can't move to physical touch. We went and we were helping a pastor who had a moral failure. He's a really close friend of mine. And he said it started just like this words. And when I was talking to him about sharing on this message, he said, I'm going to tell you when, when it went from words to just physical touch. She said, I, I remember when she put her hand on my elbow. I remember when we just touched hands, when it moved to physical touch, the pool of sin was so great, and this is his words, that the audible voice of God couldn't make me turn around. He's like, the strongest I ever felt God in heaven speak to me. And he told me it was an audible voice. He could hear it with his physical ears. I still entered into sin. And he said, there has to be a physical, a physical restraint. A phys- you can't have physical touch here because it leads, and I know it's about to get heavy and we're going to have some grace. It leads to consequences. And I want you to write this down. Sexual sin always has consequences every time. And, and any time that you hear God saying no, would y'all lock in with me for a second? Anytime the Bible says no, it's not because God's up there in heaven and he goes, oh my God. They figured out how to have fun without me. <laughs> they did something. Look how much fun they're having. And I just got to kill the fun. And so God goes, all right, uh, let's bring those rocks back up here. Moses, I'm just going to write on one more, and I'm going to kill all the joy in their life. God's not a kill joy. This is what he does. He sees the path of destruction, and every time he says no, it's for your benefit. Amen? So he sees what's going to happen to your life. And then this is what he says. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. I'm going to walk all through this. And at the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. He said, you'll say, watch this. How I hated discipline. Oh, how my heart spurned correction. I couldn't have anybody tell me what to do. That's a person that had their mind made up about life. He said, I would not obey my teachers. They're going to remember every sermon they ever heard. Or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. He said, this is what he's saying. My sin went public and people know about it everywhere. He was like, man, here's the consequences. Let me tell you this. I went to Durango. We, we did a vacation this, this summer up there. And I told my family, we got to go white, whitewater rafting. Got to do it. And I had been. My family hadn't been. Y'all have that picture. Put it up here. And so right when we get out there, they're talking to us about it. So that's me in the red. You can see my muscles coming through this shirt. And then uh, to my right, that's my wife. Right behind me is my daughter, Ainsley. And I think you can imagine. Do you see a little fear on her face? Okay. This was like this at the bank. We, she was sitting on the bank. She goes, Dad, I don't have a good feeling about this. And I was like, we're going to have a blast. She's like, no, we're not. 
bad things are going to happen. She's like, I just, I just feel like we just need to go for a walk. And the whole time, I'm like, you are about to have the time of your life, Ainsley. We're going to go through, we're going to go through these waves. Nothing bad is going to happen. Your dad's here. Look at my muscle. And I said, I'm here for you, girl. I kid you not. We get five minutes into rafting and I hear this thunder. Boom. It just breaks. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I turned to Brooke. I was like, we're about to get rained on. And it was 10 times worse than that. This cloud came in low right over our head like a demon. And then all of a sudden, it started hailing on us in this raft. It's just like raining hell. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. And Ainsley took her paddle and put the, the paddle right over her head. She said, if you would just listen to me, I knew bad things were going to happen. Right? And this, this right here, in essence, is Solomon. He's like, if you would listen to me, you're going to get held on in sexual sin. It's going to hail on you. And this is what he's saying. Write these down. He says, you're going to lose your influence. Immediately, it's going to be gone. And not just your influence in the community. The most precious influence you have is for the people that are closest to you, the people that you love. And I will tell you, this is the hardest thing for people. They'll, they'll have an affair. There'll be sexual sin in their family. And even if the husband and wife go, we're going to work this through, there is ought between kids and parents every time. I mean, we pray about this with people. I've had dads just look at me, tears in their eyes, and he's like, me and my wife are doing great, but I can't tell my kids anything right now. Like, even if what I'm telling them is right, they're just like, I don't know. I don't want to listen to you. And it's the hardest and the longest thing to heal. And he's like, you're going to lose your honor. You're going to lose your dignity. Would you put this down? He's like, your words are not going to carry weight. You're going to lose your voice. And, and you think about that. You know this to be true. Because what are people thinking of Urban Meyer right now? Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like they see him in a club with somebody that's not his wife. And half the people are like, you need to fire him. But all the people are like, ah, he's got a long way to go before I trust him again. This is Proverbs chapter 5. He says, you're going to lose your influence. And then what does he say? You're not just going to lose your influence. You're going to lose your wealth. He said, other people are going to feast on what you toil. He's like, you're going to give a part of your paycheck Somebody's going to be swinging your golf clubs. You know, somebody is going to get a piece of, uh, of your wealth. We see this all the time. He says you're going to lose your health. Write that down. Literally, when he says that your body would be groaning at the end of your life, this is a Hebrew way of saying you'll have a venereal disease. I don't know if you know this about Solomon, but during his reign as king of Israel, he was so intelligent about all kinds of different subjects that people from all over the world would go listen to him talk about botany. He would talk about plant life. He would talk about the animal kingdom. They would sit there for hours and hours. People would travel. All, they would do one trip in a whole lifetime to go hear from him, and he would talk about medicine, and he would talk about sexually transmitted diseases that he started seeing. And so he's like, I want to talk to you about a lot of things you can lose, but you know what? I want to talk to you about this. And this is not far-fetched. Let me just hit the pause here. This does happen. Like, there are people that find out that adultery was happening in their family because they got a sexually transmitted disease. And they're like, somebody else has been sleeping around. This is Proverbs chapter 5. It's heavy, isn't it? He says, and then you'll live with regret. Why don't I get my act together? 
Why did I have to waste and throw away time and seasons in my life? How do I get back on track with this? And this is how you do it. The solution is right in the first part of Proverbs. Okay, Let me give you two solutions. You guys ready? One is in uh, verse 2, and the other is in verse 15, 16, 17. And I'll spend the rest of the time here. This is where we get on the grace side of things. It's like, how do you walk in victory when we live in a culture where everything is acceptable? Same-sex relationships, acceptable. Sleep around. People are like, ah, you know, sometimes you get bored. It's just acceptable, you know. Uh, sex before marriage, sex. Like, how, how do we get victory over this? Because let me tell you what's never going to change is how God sees all of this. Because I, I want you to write down a theological term and you can go back. There is the immutability of God. God can't change because the way he does it first is perfect. God is a perfect God and how he has arranged everything, he always has done it right the first time. And if you go, well, I would do it different, that's what we call idolatry, okay? And so when you say you get your blue, your blue dot, then this is what you do, is you say, God, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. I want to see how you feel. Here we go. Here's the first thing. He says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. So everybody say ear. All right, y'all ready? Let's put it up here. Are we here? Let's read it together. You ready, class? One, two, three. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. Now watch this. That you may maintain discretion. And watch what he says here. And your what? Your lips. Now I'll say it again. One, two, three. And your lips may preserve knowledge. Now how does your... Now stick with me because this is how you get victory. How does your lips maintain knowledge? You got to speak it. If you're ever, if you're ever going to have um, victory over sin, you've got to learn to get it in your head and get it in your mouth. I had to do this right when I got into the ministry. When God called me to the ministry, I was thinking about this one day. I was like, man, I grew up in Louisiana. And Louisiana public schools had the worst education out of all 50 states. So it was always Louisiana 50 or Mississippi 50 that would hit us. You know, they were always 49. We thank God for Mississippi people, right? But I'm 50. <laughs> then I lived, now Louisiana has parishes and not counties. So I lived in Webster Parish. One day they said Webster Parish has the worst test scores in all of Louisiana. I was like, well, that's where I live. Then they said Spring Hill, that's where I went to high school, had the worst test scores in the whole parish. And I'm sitting here reading this going, we're last place, the parish is last place, my school is last place, and I graduated at the bottom of my class. <laughs> I looked in the mirror and said, it's a statistical fact. I'm one of the dumbest people in America. And God is, you don't want to call me into ministry. <laughs> but this is what it takes. Would you put this down? It takes humility here. It's just when you get to any subject that you go, this is hard, you go, I'm going to humble myself before God right now. I'm going to take some humility. I'm going to take some learning. God, tear down the pride. God, speak to my heart. This is where it takes humility. So God, whatever you say, I'm going to start saying it. How did, how did Jesus defeat Satan in the wilderness? He spoke the word. He starts with words, and he goes, and then he's going to speak. And, and Satan tries, and then Jesus quoted the word. It was on his lips. 
Are y'all listening to me? Your thoughts are no match for Satan's thoughts. So let's say you're tempted. If you're a guy, you're tempted by a girl at work. You know what? I'm going to have a game plan. I'm not going to go anywhere near. You know? Well, no, I'll be mean to her. I see her, I'll be mean. And then uh, if she asks me for something, I'll ignore her. That's what I'll do. I'll just ignore her. I'll act like she doesn't exist. And I might put in for a transfer you know, to another office. That's what I'll do. And I'll stay holy. That's your thoughts. Your thoughts are no match for Satan's thoughts. He'll get around your thoughts. He'll always get around your plans. Listen to me. Satan's thoughts are no match for God's thoughts. And when you speak God's thoughts, Satan bows at the word of God. Amen? So there's that. There, there is, I'm, I'm going to speak the word that I've memorized. Here's the next thing is, I'm going to commit to real intimacy. What does real intimacy look like? Verse 15, let's finish up and I'm going to pray for grace over you guys. You guys ready? Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Let me back up and just, I don't have time to unpack this, but I want to say this. Should your springs overflow in the streets, this is what he's addressing. He's like, there are kids around town that are growing up and they're not under their dad's roof. They're just everywhere. They're out in the streets. They're not being raised in a family unit. And, they, and, and he's literally talking about uh, the, the offspring of prostitutes is what he is talking about. He's like, everybody can just walk the streets and go, wait, wait, wait. They're not growing up in the house they needed to grow up in. And he's like, I'm going to give you the solution to this. Verse 18, may your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Listen to me. So this is what you're thinking. A bunch of you are single in here, and this is going to help you when you think about your future. And then he says, a loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. They never read the scripture in the church I grew up in. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? I got saved like eight. All right, so may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Would you underline that? May you ever be intoxicated. That's a strong word, isn't it? Like when you think about somebody who's intoxicated, he's like, you know what I want? I want you to be intoxicated in this loving marriage relationship. I want you to be intoxicated with her love. Like there are just times where you just go, whoo, I'm a little dizzy right now. Yeah. Sometimes Brooke will text me. People are like, what'd she say? I said, I can't read that one. You know what I'm saying? It's just like there's this loving relationship, and it's how God created it to be. So, And all of the struggles in this world, let me tell you this, that we're going to do in this culture. We can either say, I want to live the way I want to live and ask God to bless it. Or we can say, God, I want to live the way you created me to live, and it will be blessed because I'm living that way. Amen?